Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Borough podcast. My name is Jared, and joining me as always is Linda. Hey, guys. Another week, another movie theater closure. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't want to talk about it right now. It's We're <laughs> going to talk about it, but we're not going to talk about it right now. We've got more pressing news, like the fact that a bunch of shit just broke on Star Wars, the Star Wars side of things. Um like within the last like 30 minutes, apparently there's going to be like 10 billion gazillion shows. Uh, Hayden Christensen is reprising his role as Darth Vader in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that will begin 10 years after the dramatic events of Revenge of the Sith. And it will be coming straight to Disney+. Plus. You also have the Ahsoka series, it looks like they're doing. Um, the Bad Batch. You have an Indiana Jones movie. You have um, Rogue Squadron. You have a Lando show coming. There is so much happening right now with Star Wars and Star Wars news. That's kind of insane. Oh, my God. Why is Hayden Christensen coming back? Hey, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of returns on this show. And and not just within Star Wars, but in another Disney umbrella. And I don't necessarily want to get to the story right now because I haven't even asked how you are. But... We will talk about all these um, all these former famed actors in these, uh, you know, blockbuster, gigantic Disney projects coming back to reprise all of their roles in a little bit. Until then, how are you doing, Linda? Um, I'm like <laughs> mentally and emotionally recovering from that cake that took three days to make. Still, still? I still can't. I, I really cannot get over that. Um. <laughs> But I mean, my mom's coming into town this weekend, so I have that to look forward to. And I mean, I'm I'm doing good. I'm just trying to relax and take a step back from everything for a minute. But I mean, you know, nothing, nothing too bad. Yeah. Well, you made a pretty bomb cake, I must say, as I was watching the videos on Snapchat. <laughs> it it gave me <laughs> it gave me all my entertainment that I needed for this past week. I was so surprised by the amount of feedback I got on Snapchat. Like, everyone was messaging me like, dude, this is a trip. And I'm like, I'm glad you guys are enjoying this. And I'm glad you guys are, like, noticing how much I hate this. I swear, I thought this was going to take me, like, two nights to make. You know, like, <laughs> making the cake, putting it together, and then the next night just frosting it. It took me three days, guys. The third day, I had to get up at 6.30 to finish it before I went to work. Ouch. That's way too early to get up and bake, for I a, feel like. For a, for a cake, yeah. The things I do for my friends. I mean, it just... I mean, it had a smiley face on it, so as you can see, it ended on a positive note. The frosting technique, like, I was actually pretty proud of my frosting skills. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I hope everyone that watched it and rooted me on and kept telling me to keep going on Snapchat, thank you for your support. I really needed it. But, yeah, I'm never doing that again. Absolutely never doing that again. Hmm. Well, you did it once, and that's that's what really counts. Exactly. Um, exactly. I can say that your one time is going to be more than my ever. So um, <laughs> I'm just not a good baker at all. And I feel like if I was trying to make a penis cake, it just would turn out um, looking like, I don't know, like 
a reindeer or something. I feel like that's that's the equivalent that I'm going. Not saying that that reindeer are penis shaped, but what I am saying is that I would start out trying to make a trying to make a penis cake, and it would turn into something entirely different. I love baking. I I mean, I really love baking. I used to do it all the time in high school, and I I like to consider myself pretty good at it. But that cake was my Moby Dick, and it nearly tore me apart. But <sighs> I got it. I got it, <laughs> Moby Dick, so to speak. <laughs> God, I hate myself sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a good cake. I mean, I'm pretty proud of myself in the end. There, we had more than a few hiccups along the way, but at the end of the day, it was a good cake, and that's really all I could have asked for. We sang happy birthday to the birthday boy, showed him the cake, he blew out his candles, and immediately I was like, this took three days. It took three days. And he's like, are you serious? I was like, yes, eat it. And I'm like sitting there watching him eat it, like eat it, eat it all. You are not letting that cake go to waste. Eat it all. And he's just sitting there crying while st- but i mean you know other than that it was it was fine it was fine i'm fine now thank you but you know still in the calm down now yeah yeah i'm i'm just i'm still just trying to release my mind from that prison that i was in there for a while (laughs) but now now i have nothing to about for a minute so i'm just trying to enjoy that time while i have it well there you have it there's the update on the penis cake from last episode um we've all been waiting anxiously to hear how that turned out and uh it turned out lovely just so you guys know if you didn't actually get to see the cake at all um it looked really delicious honestly i think my favorite part was that second day when I was like, all right, you guys, I broke this cake in half. My goal is to make this cake stay intact so I can put all the layers on top of it. And then immediately yeah. the next snap, I broke it worse. worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn it. Oh, my God. But, I mean, you know, if you weren't on Snapchat, I'm sorry. That was really the only place I felt that I could really film that. But, you know. Yeah, I had a busy week last week, and that that video, just the series, just it got me through a lot last week. Let me tell you, working seventy some hours, and then I'm I'm like looking forward to coming home and for like a few minutes just watching you try and do something that, I mean, all credit where credits due. Like you did way better than I ever could have, but at the same time, you were struggling quite a bit, and it was kind of funny. <laughs> You guys, the the first cake broke in half. The second cake broke into perfect thirds. And the ice cream took way longer than I thought it would to actually, like, put on a pan to freeze. And then um, I tried to carve it out, and it was badly misshapen. So I was like, you know what? It's ice cream. It's going to melt. Like, I can probably just cut this up, and it'll be fine. So I cut it up, kind of placed them on top of it, and then put them, like, put toothpicks in it, thinking, like, oh, smart me i can just put it together toothpicks it'll stay in place so i put it in the freezer the next day it had just spread apart like pangea and it took me 20 minutes to get those toothpicks out because i didn't think 
what if the toothpicks freeze into the ice cream? Which it did. <laughs> I had to, I had to grip. That was one part I actually just kept out of Snapchat. So I was literally sobbing. And so I had to grab pliers and just kind of like put one foot down, like on the tray and then just like grab the pliers and just yank it out. Like, oh my God. And then I had to use like, so I used at least 10 cans of frosting on that cake. I swear. I must have used 10 like little containers of frosting on that thing because of all the crumb layers that I had to do to hold everything together. Oh my God. It was just, it was a trip. Well, you're here and you are going to be talking some iCarly and some (laughs) Spider-Man and some orphan details that we missed a long, long time ago, but we're going to be talking about all of it. Um, And so, yes, while the cake might have been an endeavor all on its own, we are here now and we are going to get into this news. So we will catch you when we're back from the break. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout and can attest that it is a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab your gear that you already have, and then find a quiet space to record and talk about all your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. We can't wait to hear your passion. And now for your last week's news update. Jeff Snyder of Collider writes, Spider-Man 3 bringing back Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus and past Peter Parker's. Just like Jamie Foxx's Electro, Andrew Garfield will be back, and if Sony and Marvel can close the deal with Tobey Maguire, he'll be back too. Kirsten Dunst will return as MJ, and it is expected that Emma Stone will reprise her role of Gwen Stacy. John Watts is back to direct the new Spider-Man movie, which will once again co-star Zendaya, Jacob Battalion, Tony Revolori, and Marissa Tomei. This time around, they'll be joined by Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange, as the Sorcerer Supreme will serve as a mentor of sorts to Holland's Peter Parker. Sony is slated to release the superhero sequel in theaters on December 17, 2021. Joe Otterson of Variety writes, iCarly revival set at Paramount Plus with original cast members returning. A revival of Nickelodeon series iCarly has been ordered at Paramount Plus. Original series stars Miranda Cosgrove, Jerry Trainer, and Nathan Kress are all set to appear in a new version of the series. The original iCarly ran from 2007 to 2012 on Nickelodeon for six seasons and 97 episodes. Matt Olberding of the Lincoln Journal Star writes, Marcus puts Edgewood Cinema up for sale but says it's not necessarily closing. 
Marcus Theatres has put Edgewood Cinema's location up for sale, but a company spokeswoman said that it doesn't necessarily mean that there are no plans to reopen it. The six-screen theater, which seats more than 1,200 people total, is being listed for a whopping $3.8 million. Edgewood is the only Marcus location in Lincoln that has stayed closed throughout the coronavirus pandemic. Its other three locations in Lincoln, the Lincoln Grand, East Park, and South Point Cinemas are currently open for four days a week. Marcus spokeswoman Mary Randa said the company is exploring its options for the site. And that concludes your last week's news update. If you would like to support the Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scenes content, and all of the other tier perks combined. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. And we are back, and we are ready to talk some news. But before we do, something I forgot to mention in the in the little intro bit at the beginning of the podcast was I might be potentially streaming Cyberpunk uh, 2077 this weekend on Twitch and on YouTube at the Borough Reviews. So um, I'm still working on getting Streamlabs OBS set up, and I'm still working on uh, getting Discord and Twitch all all leveled out. But uh, I think I'm going to attempt soft streaming at least on the weekend um if i can if i have time so far the schedule that i have set you can actually find it on my um on my twitch page but i'm going to try and stream at a couple different points so i was thinking um maybe 10 o'clock on saturday and then um 10 to midnight and then maybe 8 to 10 on on sunday and we'll see We'll see if I'm able to successfully do any sort of streaming. I don't know. Did you ever watch uh, Moons of Madness, Linda? Did you watch when I was trying to play that game? Uh, no. You didn't? Uh, I'm not a, I, I really cannot sit through and watch people play video games. It makes me feel bad because I can't play the video game, and then I get really sad. Oh, okay. Well, then <laughs> I guess you don't have to tune into the stream. But uh, last time I played, um, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on your traumatic events in a minute with not being able to play video games. Uh, but before, I did want to mention that um, the last time that I attempted to do this, it didn't go so well. And you can go watch those videos. Actually, you can't watch those videos because those videos uh, don't exist. Um yeah, you know, I, <laughs> um, it was bad, so it's probably a good thing that you can't watch it. But uh, this, unlike the Moons of Madness game, isn't a puzzle game, so I think I'll actually be able to like play through it. So now, ab- about this trauma that you have, 
Oh my God. Okay. Um, so I was the worst youngest sibling in the world. I have an older brother and an older sister and I was just, I was the absolute worst. I hated just sitting there and watching them play video games and not being able to, because I, you know, you're not going to want your little sister who's inexperienced and not very good playing with you on the Simpsons road rage or what have you. And I guess it just kind of stuck with me growing up. Like, I don't like watching people do something that I can't do. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. So I was just, I was the spoiled younger child. And that's my one vice that has kept with me. But, you know, it's fine. (laughs) (sighs) Now we have to talk about it. Oh, my God. And you know what we have to talk about. We have a few things to talk about, but I'm curious to know what you want to talk about first. Oh, geez. Um, We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think we should start off on a positive note. So I want to start off with the iCarly revival that was set at Paramount (laughs) Plus with the original cast members returning. Now, you might be thinking... Aren't you aren't you normally like a horror podcast? Yeah, well, you know, the, what what horror news do we have except the one that we're going to talk about like later, but even that's like a month old. So, last month was a really good month and the I guess all of October too was a really good month for a bunch of horror news. And you know, this month it it's just kind of been a little bit lackluster. So, we thought we would talk about something that's important and that's Nickelodeon and that's iCarly. And the original series stars Miranda Cosgrove, Jerry Trainer, and then Nathan Kress are all set to appear in the new version of the series. I don't know exactly how this is going to go because iCarly ran from 2007 to 2012 on Nickelodeon and they had a total of 97 episodes. Kind of sucks for them that they didn't get that 100 episode mark. They were like three shy of it. Um, but it's going to move to Paramount Plus rather than be on Nickelodeon. Um, and... I don't know how I feel about this because a Paramount Plus, like I, I don't even have Paramount Plus, so I guess I'm gonna have to get Paramount Plus if I want to watch iCarly, and I don't know how I feel about that. I see. I mean, it's interesting that you would say that because it didn't even register in my mind the the fact that I don't have Paramount Plus either. Uh, which is probably why they're having iCarly on Paramount Plus is to just kind of you know, get some more attraction to, oh, yeah. to that streaming service. 100%. But, exactly. Yeah. So, but the main issue I had was the lack of Jeanette McCurdy. Yes. I was waiting for you to mention that. Cause Jerry Trainer and Jeanette McCurdy were the shoulders of comedy for that show. They were the two most popular characters, Spencer and Sam. On that show, and they're like they were the funniest, they were the most interesting. Like, no offense to Miranda Cosgrove or Nathan Kress or anything, their characters were really great as well. But those two by far are the most popular. And just being without Sam, it, it's definitely a bummer. I'm glad that they were able to get Jerry Trainer back for sure. But Jeanette McCurdy, I mean, I feel like it's possible that the character of Sam just kind of ran its course given that she was in the spinoff Sam and cat. But at the same time, it's like, I would 
I would prefer to have her back if that was a possibility. Yeah. And they might be, you know, waiting, they might be pocketing that for a later date and time to reveal it. Right. Like, um, I don't think everything's finalized. So this just got reported, um, literally what on the ninth. Yeah. So it's only been a day since this was reported and it's not like, it's not like they've already got the whole entire show already shot and everything. So they're just assembling right now. And then I I do think we'll hear like more casting news come from it. It's honestly vaguely similar to the Spider-Man three story that we have. Like, um, in the Spider-Man three story is this, that everyone and their mother is returning for this movie. I'm what Mufasa is going to be in it. Um, (laughs) There's going to be, there's going to, I mean, Darth Vader is going to have a cameo. Obviously probably Tony Stark is going to be thrown in there somewhere. Um, that's, that's actually a legitimate possibility that I think is going to happen, but, um, no, what, what did you say? I said, oh yeah, Mufasa, 100%. Yeah, yeah, Mufasa. (laughs) Um, uh, but so this initially, the news for Spider-Man three really broke when, um, a couple months ago we talked about it, but Jamie Foxx was returning as Electro. And then we had, you know, um, Benedict Cumberbatch, like joining the cast as Stephen Strange and, um, and even, it makes even more sense now in retrospect that, yeah, of course, like Alfred Molina's like Doc Ock is going to return for Spider-Man 3 if they have Jamie Foxx's Electro. And then it makes even more sense that both past like iterations of Peter Parker on the big screen, both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man are, um, are coming back it's likely that they're coming back so according to a bunch of hollywood like insiders um and journalists uh andrew garfield has already signed on for the film and then toby mcguire's in talks um as well as Kristen dunst and um and some people are even expecting emma stone to reprise a role as gwen stacy but i don't know if she'll do that all of this begs the question uh, how much time is Tom Holland getting in this movie? Because if you're, <laughs> if we're like just going back in time through all of these different universes, I guess is, is how they're going to do it. Um, how are we going to allocate this time out to every single character that they have either returning or the characters that, you know, we know from Tom Holland, Spider-Man. So Spider-Man homecoming and Spider-Man mm-hmm. far from home. Um, it's all very interesting and we kind of expected this to happen. I mean, I'm pretty sure we had multiple discussions about it and it's been speculated for a while, but, um, it's just now starting to hit the big leads and big leagues in terms of, um, who's confirming it and who's not confirming it. So, I mean, my concerns actually a tad reversed in a way. I mean, I, I kind of figured they give Tom Holland like the most screen time out of everyone. And a part of me kind of feels like everyone from the previous Spider-Man films that we've had this far uh, are all going to get just like more cameo roles or just like a lot smaller screen time, which I would prefer to have Tobey Maguire have a lot more screen time. He was by far my favorite. Yeah. Um. Well, like, okay, but how... I guess 
why why make this a huge news story if they're only cameos you know because doesn't that that doesn't that pretty much ruin they do that though sometimes Uh, yeah they try to make it seem like it was a big thing and then when you go to watch the movie you're like they were only in it for like two minutes yeah see and that's what i'm worried about i would have rather like i mean obviously how the industry works you can't ever gatekeep news really um at least only until a certain extent um which i think is what was happening here but i would have much rather gone into this movie knowing nothing about that and then getting surprised with all of these different cameos rather than knowing about the cameos and then going in because that kind of sets the expectation that they're going to have a much larger role than um than just a cameo but again um a lot of this is still not confirmed sony hasn't outwardly expressed yet that um these stories that are breaking are um that they're false or anything they're just not necessarily confirming it um which basically means that it's happening like it's already kind of a done deal but yeah i don't know do we even know like how long the runtime of this movie will even be yeah and that's my next question what is going on in this movie um (laughs) like (laughs) Why? Because I feel like if the movie was like a little longer, like how uh, Avengers Endgame was, then I feel like they have a better opportunity to get like an adequate amount of screen time for each character that people are looking forward to see again and make it some like big thing because this Spider-Man movie is going to be a big thing. And so I feel yeah. like they're going to have to have a longer screen time and a longer like runtime for this movie in order to get our fair share of each character that we want to see in there. Oh, they 100% are going to have to, um, it's going to have to be huge. And it's honestly probably the, the next project following Endgame That's pretty big. Like this seems like a big movie. And, uh, I kind of like that, that we're getting that grand feel just in a Spider-Man, um, flick, like, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you don't usually, I mean, I get that this is technically the third, um, so, you know, you're trying to do your trilogy um, climax, essentially, where you have like chaos, just rain everywhere. Um, but what I really want to see is where's the Sandman? Where <laughs> Where is Venom? Oh, that's the other thing, too, that we need to discuss is oh, that um, real quick, like, it's likely that we see Tom Hardy in here now. I, <laughs> I, like, I don't 100% believe that it's going to happen, but like, um, like Morbius, like Venom um people are even floating around like um charlie cox from uh daredevil (laughs) from the netflix show um people are just floating around all of these insane possibilities apparently there's an insider that has confirmed that charlie cox is going to be in this movie as daredevil and like what (laughs) i just it's too much to even think about you know oh my god you guys don't understand i freaking love venom so much if they have tom hardy in here and venom uh, oh my god uh. well i wouldn't rule it out because as we've seen they're they're not i guess they're not even really caring about what caring about like what's canon in here so i mean it's likely possible that we even see the animated miles morales pop in here from you know into the spider-verse like i wouldn't i wouldn't count any of these possibilities out at all Oh my god. Well, now they have to do it. They have to put Venom in there. Now that I've heard that there's a possibility that Venom's going to be in this movie, they they just have to. <laughs> they can't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just and it's almost too much to to talk about. 
And so I don't want to spend the whole time talking about it. Um, so we'll move on. But it is important to note that big things are happening with Spider-Man 3. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to like talk about with Spider-Man 3? Or um, do you kind of have the same feeling about like just like just the amount of information that we've received in like two days about this film? It's a lot, but it's exciting. Like, honestly, Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock was my favorite Spider-Man movie. I know that's probably not the most popular opinion out there, but it was my favorite. I Mm -hmm. loved Spider-Man 2, so I was, like, really happy hearing that Dr. Octopus was going to be back in because it was just, it was so good. And, oh, my God, now Venom might be in it. And, oh, my gosh, we, we could probably go on with this as long as we do with the screen movies so it probably is for the best that we don't talk about it for long yeah 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 i don't want to cover it too much (laughs) um well next then um why don't we talk about what's happening here locally um so kind of depressing news but not really because i don't go to edgewood so it's not really that depressing for me but um for the i guess for the prospect of it right uh Mm-hmm. A movie theater that we've had in Lincoln for quite some time. Um, it's part of the Marcus Theater chain. It's uh, the theater's called Edgewood Cinema, and it's been put up for sale. Um, it's not closing, and and um, the Lincoln Journal Star actually reached out to a Marcus Theater rep, um, Mary Randa, and she said the company is exploring its options for the site. She said. Quote, in addition to operating Edgewood Cinema, Marcus Theaters owns owns the real estate. Given the theater is not currently open due to the pandemic, we are unable or we are able to explore potential interest from purchasers uh, without interrupting any business operations. So they're kind of exploring all their different options as far as what they want to do with the theater. Um, you know, obviously, the other theaters in town are are also struggling um, I think they're down to what four days a week now that they're open, um, but that includes the Lincoln Grand, East Park, and South Point, and those are kind of the theaters too where they've made vast improvements in terms of seating and in terms of um, just all of those, I guess, exterior novel novices that you like get when you go to the movie theater. So, like recently. Back in, I think, 2017, the Grand finally upgraded their seating for the recliners. And then, um, I mean, obviously, it's a trend that you're seeing in not only in Marcus theaters, but in every theater train across the across the globe, really. Um, and so they they spent countless hours and countless like funds on trying to improve the the movie going experience just right here in Lincoln and in their mid- Midwest chain. So it's kind of disheartening to see that the one theater that they didn't get around to they're just kind of giving up on almost. I don't know, do you get the do you get the feeling that they're kind of just giving up on it or do you think that it's um for good reason that they I mean okay, let me just say they're giving up on it, but um do you think that it's for the better that they go ahead and sell Edgewood um, rather than try and keep it open under their ownership. I, I mean, at the end of the day, like they got to do what they got to do. I mean, I'm glad that they're not having to, to close it and that they're, they are looking at other options, like putting it up for sale and just seeing if someone else can possibly do better for, for that location. Uh, it does bum me out because I did used to go to Edgewood like a lot 
because it was like the only movie theater in Lincoln that didn't make my mom sign a parental slip for me and my friends. She could just call and be like, there's going to be some teenagers in there, just so you know. And so that was like the movie theater that we always went to. Like, that's where I saw the remake of like Evil Dead. That's where I always went to on my birthday to watch horror movies. And then afterwards, we go to that Target that's like right next door to it and just hang out there until my mom got back. So, I mean, it would honestly kind of bum me out for nostalgia yeah. purposes that if it did close down. So I'm, I'm glad that they are trying to just see if someone else is able to do better for it rather than just shut the location down altogether. Me too. Me too. I think it's um, like, obviously, if you're put in the position where you have to um, sell, you know, you have the choice to either sell the theater or close it. And I really like that they're trying to do the um, the former before they before they just officially pull the plug. Because like you said, I mean, it's been around. Um, people know Edgewood. People might not go to Edgewood as Edgewood as much as um, some of the other cinemas in town, but still, like uh, it's still important to have options and have variety. Um, and so, I'm really glad that they did put it up for sale. I'm not sure that anyone's necessarily going to buy it. Um, so that's a whole other conversation that that we'll have to have when we cross that bridge. But um, because you know, again, it's not like they upgraded that theater at all. Um, and really, like you almost kind of need those upgrades to even keep people coming back. And uh, I don't know, it, it kind of puts Edgewood in a weird position where it's like, okay, yeah, like it's up for sale, but like if I buy it, then I'm going to have to spend, you know, right. X amount of X amount, you know, more on on repairs and and upgrades and and trying to actually get the theater to where it's completely operational and not saying that it's not operational, but operational from the standpoint of, um, you know, a returning client base, essentially um, people that want to come there because because of every reason not just that oh hey it's the closest one to me but oh look like they put a lot of work into the way into the into the things that they do as far as like how the theaters are constructed and and the sound equipment in the theater and you know i mean a lot a lot goes into it so yeah sad news um but we saw it coming from like 10 miles away i think i i think i might have said something like a few months back on it on the podcast even about the fact that I thought that it wouldn't survive this, at least not under Marcus's leadership. And uh, here we are. So the day has come. Uh, and no, I did not just put this in here because I wanted to be right about something. Oh, okay, Jerry. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, what else do we got on your end? I know that you wanted to talk some Orphan. Yes. Uh Orphan First Kill is the official name of the Orphan prequel that has been highly anticipated for what I feel like has been a few years now. And they officially got the original Orphan, Isabel Freeman, back on. Uh, So I was really excited to hear about that. I can't believe I'm just hearing about this now, even though apparently this has been a thing for like a month now. Uh, But... According to the article I found, it says that the prequel is also going to have Julia Stiles back on, and it's going to talk about how Esther 
escaped from the insane asylum that she was confined in in Russia and how she made her way into the States that ultimately led up to the events in the first film. And I, I'm personally super stoked because I loved Orphan. Orphan was such a good movie. And I think it'd be so cool to just kind of take a look back into the history of, of Esther, the orphan and seeing like how she got where she was and just about like the former families that she was with prior. Because if you have seen the first movie, it does talk about how she was with a couple of other families before she ended up with the family in the first film and how she, you know, she kind of posed as, an orphan for these families right after escaping from an insane asylum. I'm so sorry if that was a spoiler alert, by the way, but this movie's <laughs> been out for like over 10 years now. Yeah, they can Had deal with it. it by now. That That's on you. But yeah. I, I think it's so cool. It is cool. I really like Orphan. And um, this was something that I wasn't necessarily even expecting to happen. I mean, in all honesty, like it was the last thing in 2020 that I would assume would have gotten greenlit because really like, you know, 2020 has been all about, well, let's only greenlight the stuff that we know surefire are going to like, is going to make us a lot of money as far as the studios are concerned. So um, when we heard this news, I guess I was kind of like taken aback by it a little bit. Um, and I completely missed this last month. Um, I know that we had started to not do show. I think we had done maybe one show the week that this news dropped on the second. But um, I know that after that, we didn't do any more news. Otherwise, I'm sure we would have covered it at some point. Probably. But I didn't even see that until literally when you when you mentioned it today and i was like oh yeah no totally like <laughs> let's let's talk about it even though it's like a month old um so talking about an orphan prequel like it's been heavily rumored for years now like you always see it come up in like post on certain pages on facebook that's like dedicated to like horror movies and stuff they'll always release like fan posters about like you know fake horror movie sequels prequels what have you um, Orphan was always part of that along with Scream. Like, I feel like this Orphan prequel has been rumored for about as long as the Scream sequel was until the Scream sequel finally got greenlit. And so I, I kind of had a hunch that it was only a matter of time before this kind of became the, the real deal. Well, I'm glad you were ahead of the ball because I was not on this one. So I predicted that Edgewood would be either put up for sale or closed. And I did not see the Orphan sequel coming from any direction. And I don't know. That's a huge blind spot, I guess, because I I mean, yeah, I've heard people talk about how they would like another one. But I guess I've never really like heard speculation around it. Well, I know in the in the first Orphan movie, there is like an alternate ending Mm because In the first movie, she got shot and died. But in the alternate ending, it actually showed her as she lived the bullet and then like pretty much redressed herself for when the cops came. So I, I didn't expect it to really be like a prequel. I kind of thought it'd be more of, a, of an actual like follow up on that. But, you know, if, if we're getting a prequel, then then that's totally fine by me still. And I'm really glad that they have the original actress back on. Um, it sounds like they're just going to use, like, a lot of makeup for de-aging instead of 
having to worry about CGI for that. So I think that's, that's a good way to go, especially since it seems like Isabel Furman hasn't really aged. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they're like positioned well for it to succeed yeah. as far as the storytelling goes. So I just hope that, I mean, I know the hardcore like horror fan base is going to turn out for this film, but um, I just don't know. I I just, I have a feeling people are going to be like, what orphan first kill? That sounds dumb. Like, you know, I don't know. It was originally titled Esther. I, I like this title a lot more than just Esther. Really? Cause I like Esther better to be honest, like, because I'm like, well, Esther, I was our own opinions, Jared. Yeah. I guess (laughs) for me though, it's like, if I was like looking at, I don't know, like a marquee somewhere. Right. And you see Esther and you, then you see orphan first kill, unless you have an association with orphan, you're not going to really like understand what orphan first kill is. But when you see Esther, you're like, who is Esther? Like that? I don't, what is that? Like, and you're going to be like more, at least for me, it it seems more curious than Orphan First Kill. But okay, that's that's a fair look on it. I'll give you that. But nonetheless, I'm still super pumped for this, so I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our website, theburrreviews.com. If you like indie movies or blockbuster movies and anything in between, really. On our site, you'll find podcasts, movie reviews, opinion articles, and more content that covers all types of cinema. But we especially love a good horror movie here at The Borough. If you're looking for a review of your latest project, we got you covered. Simply search theborreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. As a company residing in Nebraska, we know just how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we're here to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. And while not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, it is always worth a shot. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. Now we're going to get into the main topic of this podcast. And the main topic of this podcast... Um, from what I can tell, is going to be a little bit divisive among the hosts here at the uh, Into the Borough podcast. Um, we're going to talk about Mank or review Mank or both. We'll both review and talk about Mank. Um, Mank is uh, David Fincher's latest, and uh, you can find it right now streaming on Netflix. So before we dive into our opinion, I just wanted to bring up the the scores of Mank. So right now on IMDb, Mank is sitting at a 7.3. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, Tomatoes, we have um, Mank. I always say it like that. That's not even a mess up. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, we have... um, Okay, this is interesting. So the audience score is about the same. So it's about 71%. And then the critic score is at an 86 right now. So um, just based off of those numbers, not talking about the actual film yet, do you feel like um, those reflect your opinion or are they a little different? I feel the opinions are well-deserved. It's just not my personal opinion. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. So does that make I guess you my, feel a my question better? What was that? So does that make you feel a little better? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I figured that, that that would be your stance. Um, okay. So Mank follows 1930s Hollywood, um, and it's kind of this take on classical Hollywood and um, how, I guess, business and politics are conducted, right? So you follow, it's a biopic in, in a way. You follow uh, screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane. And if you've seen Citizen Kane, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm always curious to know what people think of Citizen Kane. I really like Citizen Kane. I'm one of those film critics that does think that Citizen Kane is probably one of the greatest films still of all time. Um, and I know that's not super, it's, it's really not super controversial or anything. I know that in fact, like um, you would, you could almost probably call me basic if I said that, but uh, I, I do think that it, that it is so, so deserving of all of the praise that it has gotten like over the past, like few decades. Um, it's just a fantastic movie. And half of that, is because of of Herman Mankiewicz's uh, screenplay, um, just a really engaging script that makes you really think. And I think what uh, is probably so off putting about Mank is it doesn't try and um, it doesn't try and bridge the gap on why you should care about about this character or about citizen the making of citizen kane you know like i think that's where the disconnect is right so for me when i was watching it i had heard a lot of people describe it as cold or um as disconnected and i didn't necessarily feel that it was disconnected i just didn't think that there was enough there in the script and um I, I don't think it was ever supposed to be this way, but there isn't enough there to actually like connect with the story that's being told. There's kind of this disconnect. It's more so trying to give you this straight story than it is to try and like make you feel something about the characters. And I think that losing the fidelity like that might be why it's not resonating well with some people. Yeah. I mean, my, I have a lot of positives to say about this movie. Really, like, don't get me wrong. The hangups that I have are strictly personal. Like, I'm probably not going to walk around and, you know, go about and say, like, don't watch this movie. Don't watch this movie. It's like, I hate it. It's just for me, I know this. You can just kind of have that connection with the movie and just kind of realize this film was not made for my attention. I feel like this movie was directed for fans of Citizen Kane, for fans yes. of the film noir, for fans of, you know, movies in that time period and, you know, for film students. And that's totally fair. It just, you know, it didn't do enough to keep me entranced in the plot. What the only thing that really kept my attention was the cinematography. I think the way they shot this was absolutely brilliant for what they were trying to do. Most movies set in this time period, especially these days, um, like right off the top of my hat, like off the top of my hat, off the top of my head, I keep thinking of that great Gatsby movie that Leonardo DiCaprio was in. Like they, they kind of modernized that movie in a way. And you know, it worked for that, but I'm just glad they didn't 
do it for this one. They kept that very antique film that you get for movies from that time. And I absolutely love that they did that. It was absolutely beautiful. And I loved watching it. It was just the storyline itself that did not keep me going, especially with it being like over two hours long. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of a slog to get through. And um, I watched it really late at night. And so I had that similar experience of like, when is this going to end? Like, oh my God, like, um, and yeah. And I think it, it was never meant to be engaging in the way that say you walk into like a drama or like, you know, some of the other biopics that we have, like even like Bohemian Rhapsody. And I would argue, um, Taron Egerton's, uh, what, what, what was that movie called? The Elton John biopic with Taron Egerton. That wasn't really oh. a biopic. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Let me look it up real quick. Keep going. Yeah, no. So I have a, so that was meant to connect and resonate with an audience because you were supposed to feel an emotional connection to the character, to the star, right? In this one, it's not really trying to do that. It's, it's more or less just trying to, I don't know, almost give you like an unbiased view on the process of writing Citizen Kane through Herman Mankiewicz's, like through his perspective, but it's not necessarily forcing you to, I don't be on his side for anything, if that makes sense. So it's kind of um, not disconnected, but it it definitely takes a step back for its audience and just lets you kind of observe what's going on rather than feel anything. Uh, um also to what was that it wasn't billionaire boy club was it no uh 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 it was rocket man oh my god i feel like i think so yeah (laughs) oh i didn't say it because i figured you would have known that (laughs) i feel like an idiot anyway um what you were saying about the cinematography is so true. So it was shot on red monster chrome, um, 8k cameras, uh, and no color version of this film like exists at all. Um, so (laughs) it has, um, a single track sound mix. So when you're watching it, it, it definitely reminds you of, um, you know, films in the like late, late 1920s, the 1930s at the advent of, of sound film. And, because they're using that sound mix on that single track, it doesn't have that stereo mix that a lot, that you know virtually every film has today, where it's like that surround sound stereo mix. You know, you're you're getting audio on all sides. Um, because it was a single track, it definitely brings you right back to you know the classical Hollywood style of filmmaking, which is very, very witty, very um, I, I guess choppy is not the right word, but it's, it it moves and it just moves and moves and moves and moves and it doesn't stop. And, uh, that's something that you can find in almost any classical Hollywood cinema film, you know, like you had mentioned, like the film noir callbacks and stuff. It, it is very tied to that style of filmmaking. And for that, like, I have to give it credit. Um, but that's also where it's going to lose people, right? It's, uh, relativity. So if it's not relative to someone that, that loves the story of Citizen Kane or knows Citizen Kane, then, you know, I mean, what good does it do, right? Right. And, I mean, it even goes down to, like, detail with this movie, too, that I really loved. Like, the actors that 
you know, the actors in this movie, like typically with movies, you know, trying to portray an older time, it, it kind of feels a little forced at times, depending on the movie, depending on the actor, of course. But the actors, it just, it felt so, what's the word I'm thinking of? Genuine. Like, it just, it didn't really feel like they were trying to play someone from the 30s. It felt like they were someone from the 30s. And I I feel like when movies these days try to do that, it, it can feel a little, a little forced because they try to use, like, certain tropes of dialogue. And with this, it just, it was very seamless. And I really liked it. It's a small detail, but that was something I personally appreciated. And another big thing, and I know this is like a little tacky, but like the car scenes when they're driving and when they're like in a car with someone, I love the way that they kind of shot those because it felt like I was watching car scene from Psycho or from Tarantula when they had those car scenes, just not very big budgeted, just kind of very simple. Like you can tell that they're kind of like on a track. And I, I, I liked the antique feel of it. I mean, I know that's probably not very popular thing to pay attention to, but it just, it really did give you the feel that this is an older movie. Yeah. They, they use that rear screen projection. And that was one of the yeah. things that I really loved. Um, yeah. Cause I mean the car scenes specifically, uh, like you said, like there was a lot of focus and attention to detail on the set work too. And like the time period and getting all of that right. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the politics are a little bit heavy handed in here, but if you know anything about the Mankiewicz family, they are very, very, very progressive in nature and they do champion union rights. And, um, and you, I guess you could classify them on the political left. Uh, so it makes sense why there was so much political speak in Mank. Um, and if you're not a fan of like political speak at all or, or philosophical debates on ideology, then I think that you're going to have a fundamental problem getting invested in this movie because it kind of comes down with a heavy hand. And as someone who likes politics, even I had to at one point be like, okay, but we're losing sight of the actual process of writing Citizen Kane, even though right. I do, I am well aware that that Citizen Kane, you know, loosely based on um loosely loosely based on um hearst right and hearst at the time is a very big political figure and hearst's ideology differs from upton sinclair's and it's um there i i guess the foundation for writing citizen kane is very political is what i'm trying to say but at the same time that you focus on the politics of Citizen Kane and of the process of making it. You also are losing that fi- that fidelity that I was talking about earlier, that kind of emotional resonance. And it didn't need a lot of it, um, but it did lose a lot just due to the fact that it was trying so hard to explain the political landscape in the 30s and in the 40s. And uh, I don't know if that came across like heavy-handed for you at all, but it definitely did for me. And that's coming from someone who studies politics. So it did a little for me. I mean, I, like you said, he's, he's a fan of Citizen Kane. I've watched that movie once a long time ago. So I 100% wouldn't really call myself a fan. Uh, But I mean, I honestly thought that that really was like a huge part of the process. Uh, Maybe not like I even like made a note in here, like 
film buff fans, like film students would maybe appreciate the politics of old Hollywood being talked about in this movie. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I did kind of like the riff that they have between like Paramount and Universal, like talking, like comparing those two production companies. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Not going to lie. Cause I was just, I never like heard someone talk in so much detail comparing those two together. I did not think it was like that big of a deal, like ever. Yeah. And even the nod to like when they're at the studio, um, at MGM and MGM on the MGM lot, they actually have a theater, right? Like it goes back to that time where the theaters were part of the, you know, studio chains essentially. So, you know, MGM had their own theater and Paramount had their own theater and like, and, uh, there was no like separation of power there from distribution to, exhibition and 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 production like it all kind of just blended in and flowed together and so just little details like that that didn't need to be explained heavy heavy handedly like the politics did um those more subtle like nods um in the sound mix in the cinematography in the staging and um that's where this movie thrives and that's where i wish it would have existed more rather than you know trying to I guess they tried to make it explicitly clear what was happening and when, and sometimes in their, in their attempt to give that solid foundation for the viewer, they also kind of lost that subtlety um, along the way. And that subtlety is really what made this movie special in the places that they had it. But I don't know. Um, Gary Oldman's performance was was really good. I really like Gary Oldman. But I I think the standout for me, it it comes down between Amanda Seyfried and then Lily Collins. Both of them are magnificent, though I do think that that Amanda Seyfried is actually going to probably get like um, at least a supporting actress nomination for this. Because, I mean, every time she was on on screen, it was just so magnetic to watch. Her portrayal of Marion Davies was by far my favorite in this movie. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it is a close call between her and Lily Collins, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm team Amanda on this one. Mm-hmm. I loved how she played Marion Davies in this. It was that she was like the perfect example of what I was talking about, with like the authenticity of portraying a character from that time. Yes. And not feeling too forced, like, just a reminder, I'm from the 30s. <laughs> no, like it just it was so organic. That's the word I'm wanting to use all night it was so <laughs> organic so lovely and i loved how she uh played her um in my head throughout the whole movie i kept thinking like she's playing her like a blonde like fey ray who is like one of my like the one star from that time that i absolutely love because i consider her like the very first scream queen we ever had and then they mentioned fey ray and i was like you guys got that didn't you <laughs> but yeah no like I, I loved how she portrayed her and I loved her character in this movie. Yeah, it was, it was just so good. Um, and like you said, like the authenticity of the performance too. I mean, cause yeah, while you have the flashy, like I, I make jokes and like I'm ditzy and I have fun with, with, you know, what I'm doing and, and my place in life. But at the same time, that, you know, she's doing all that her and not to get in too much into spoilers, but come on. Um, when her character, Marion and, and Herman Mankiewicz are talking about, um, you know, whether or not Citizen Kane's actually going to get made 
and they have this great banter, you know, I, I think Herman Mankiewicz said something to the effect of, um, if this gets made, I hope you'll forgive me or something. And then she replies, and I hope that, you know, if it doesn't, like if, if your adventure in making this movie, um, doesn't work out that you'll forgive me. So it's like this battle between characters that have deep, deep admiration for each other at the end of the day. And I think that was probably one of the more, um, prominent moments for me in this movie that really made me enjoy it as much as I did. It was little moments like that, um, that just you, you could see the true like authenticity coming through. And, um, unfortunately that doesn't happen a lot throughout this movie. So I get why people were left. Um, like I said, quote, a little cold, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I, I appreciate its stance in at least letting the audience kind of decide for themselves what they think of these characters rather than trying to give you some grand like expedition exposition that ends up making you like the main character more than, um, you know, you would have had it just taken a neutral position, I guess. But I I like that you said that. Cause I, I honestly didn't really think about that, but now that you said I, I do like that they weren't like in your face like this person's a bad person, this person's a good person. They just kind of let them be themselves, so to speak, in this movie. And it, you just kind of get to uh, decide for yourself how you think of these people and like where they stand to you. Yeah, no, um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it in especially in biopics like this. I like when that happens. Um but again, it's kind of playing into that that kind of alternate territory that like films like Rocket Man or Bohemian Rhapsody kind of fall into with the trap of, oh hey, here's this really flawed main protagonist that's also a superstar. You should really like this person, even though they've done all these bad things and um you know, I mean, they they pack an emotional punch in them that isn't in this film and because that emotional punch isn't in this film i feel like it just comes across more dull and more pointless than anything um and that's unfortunate because i really did like it but uh what's your final score if you had to give it a a final score or rating uh (laughs) um i would give it like a solid like six or seven out of ten like i said the the storyline is where I got lost. And I know that that's like a very important thing for a movie to have is a storyline to keep you grasped, but it is such a beautiful film to watch. And I love the work that they put into keeping the authenticity of the time that they are portraying. And I loved the acting in it. I loved the references to the time frame that you got, like from celebrities to you know the political feuds that they are having in old Hollywood, and that really made up for it for me. That's what kept me going, and in the end, it was worth it for me to just kind of watch, watch it, and you know just embrace those moments. But like I said, like it, I can just tell that it wasn't a movie made for an audience like myself. Yeah. And that's unfortunate that it wasn't a little bit more accessible. Um, so I totally see where your score is coming from and I think it's valid. Um, I'm at an eight, so I don't think it's the best movie, but I also really, really like it. And I, and I think that it's 
special in its own way. Um, it is. It's so, yeah, that's a very special film. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that it was made for what it was. Exactly. And I think that's where I'm at. So not only am I happy with that, but I'm just happy that um, I love stories about writers. Uh, you guys like I really do like I like I like diving into that process because it differs for everyone and and what it does to a person to have all those expectations about writing on yourself. And um, yeah, no. And I think also we we see that theme pop up so much recently like i mean even look and look to something like hamilton which covers a similar kind of theme you know um i just yeah i i really like screenwriter stories and writer stories and i think that's half the reason why i like it so much but also it's just fun to shoot in you know monochrome and it's fun to shoot on a single track and um and to kind of relive the past a little bit uh without going too far back see i think it would be really fun to work on a movie like work on a movie today but like for like a different time period and being able to live that and see like the process and actually being a part of that like i think that would be a really fun experience for anyone working in hollywood today I think that would just be a really cool opportunity to do. And, and if I was in Hollywood, I would definitely jump on that train. Yeah, no, I would too. 100%. Um, sign me up for, for the sequel to Mank, which I don't even know what the sequel would be, but sign me up for it. Uh, all right. And with all of that down, um, now that we've discussed Mank, discussed our movie for the week, we can get into what's streaming this weekend and then um, finish up with uh, a little fun, probably. So uh, stay tuned. I'm sure you know by now, but we have our own YouTube channel. We upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies, and we even have some Let's Plays on there. Simply search the Burr Reviews in YouTube search bar to find us. Lately, we have been heavily focused on our curated horror content. We do have a goal, however, to reach 100 subscribers by the end of the year. Right now, we are about 15 away from reaching that goal, and it would mean everything to the team here at the borough to be able to reach it by the end of this year. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the videos a thumbs up and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications in the future when we upload a new video. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. Okay, and finally, we are going to talk about what you can watch this weekend in addition to Mank, because um, we all know that Mank released last week and we just didn't have time to cover it, so we covered it this week. But these are all the movies and all the shows that you can stream this weekend um, as we go into one of our last weekends before Christmas, so you better be doing your Christmas shopping. Um, I have not started. But that's besides the point. <laughs> I feel like this episode has, I should really just title it, Jared gets off topic like 10 billion times on well, like random. If you're going to do that, then you got to do it to all the other podcasts. Yeah, true. <laughs> that was so mean. <laughs> it's not mean. I mean, we we tend to get off topic on this show. and Oh, it's okay. You can say fine. me. It's you do not- it every so often, but I do it like every time I talk. Well, you know what? 
if I had time to go off topic with you going off topic, it doesn't give me a whole lot of time to go off topic. So it's fine. You're making me look like the the good scheduled person who's ready to just talk what we plan to talk about. So thank you. Yeah. It makes me look better. <laughs> of course. Well, you know how my, my days go now is uh, like I got up at five and then I immediately came over and started um, like doing like getting posts ready to get scheduled and doing all of that and then finalizing like sources and, and all of that jibber jabber. So like it's basically just I go from my work day to my work day and then to my work day and then maybe I'll play cyberpunk at some point tonight. Um, so I kind of feel like I just babble sometimes, but I think that's partly because I just got done talking about shares and stocks for eight hours and numbers and, uh, account access. And so I think my brain just gets fried, especially now, but that's besides the point. What are you streaming this weekend? Well, you have. Uh, did you like that transition? Transition. That was beautiful. I mean, you should have just kept going. I doubt anyone would have noticed. They would have just been like, "Holy shit!" He's talking about the streaming stuff already. That was quick. <laughs> uh, man. He I loves me, what. guys. I promise. I tell you what. Um, anyway, we have. Uh, suitable boy which i've never actually even heard of so this is news to my ears as well it's the first primetime drama from the bbc to ever feature a primarily indian cast which is really cool it's an adaptation of a 1993 novel about india in the 1950s and it was helmed by mira nair who did um monsoon wedding um it, it sparked some controversy apparently when it aired in the uk because members of the india's um hindi ruling class uh, even called for a boycott because of an interfaith love story. So um, it's a little spicy, I guess, if uh, if we're talking about politics. Spicy. Um, yeah, that's so that's interesting. Um, I'm more interested, I think, about what's going on with the controversy than I am the actual show because really it didn't Honestly. it really didn't say anything about what the show was about. You know, um, uh, <laughs> La I Mag. Mean, you know it. it it's about an interfaith love story, clearly. I just kind of want to read all the articles instead, just kind of seeing what people have to say about it. Okay, so we're on the same page then yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, then we have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which I heard a lot about earlier this year, but it's adapted from an August Wilson play about the real-life blues legend Ma Rainey, and the story grapples with the friction between black artists and white capitalists who seek to control them. Um, quote, this lush Netflix original features Viola Davis in the title role. I love Viola Davis, by the way. Oh, and uh, Chadwick Boseman giving his oh. uh, final performance as an ambitious trumpet player in the band. Um, so that I'm so sad. And I kind of forgot for a moment that we lost Chadwick Boseman for yeah. a year. Um, or yeah, f for this year. And, um, I don't know, Black Bottom, I had heard some really good things, uh, and especially about it being Chadwick's last performance. So if um, if that interests you at all or that cast interests you, I do encourage you to go watch it just to show his show his family and his supporters some support. Yeah. And uh, next we have Giving Voice, which is also on Netflix. 
Um, and you can dive further into August Wilson's work. It's a documentary which captures talented young actors as they prepare for a monologue competition based on the playwright's powerful work and catch it up catches up with stars who have played his iconic characters, including Viola Davis and Denzel Washington. So it's kind of a nice add, uh, add on to Black Bottom. It, it seems like they can be watched in succession of one another. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of cool. You can watch the documentary first and then go into Black Bottom, or you could watch Black Bottom first and then go into the documentary. So it's kind of a cool little like feature, I guess, for Netflix Double to feature. include those both on the same weekend. Yeah. Um, and then finally we have, it looks like Meryl Streep holding her hand to her face as she does in literally every other show. Uh, <laughs> I'll talk. Wow. <laughs> you don't hear Meryl oh, Streep complaining about how you rant in all of our podcasts, Jerry. Okay. Well, this <laughs> still that, okay. For those of you who are listening to this, obviously, cause we don't mm-hmm. have a video component, go mm-hmm. to LA mag and go to what's. <laughs> to what to stream this weekend and then go down to let them all talk and look at the trailer that hbo max has listed on their youtube channel um and the still from that is literally meryl streep doing the same exact position that she does i feel like in every other show i mean go back to big little lies i'm pretty sure that if i had just seen that that still that hbo max has for let them all talk i would think it was from big little lies not from let them all talk so that's a, a problem but no, she's great. Anyway, I'm not saying that she's bad. She's just, she does the same kind of shtick. Anyway, largely improvised, the Steven Soderbergh directed, Let Them All Talk puts the audience aboard a luxurious, a luxurious cruise. I was going to say luxury, and then that, that word didn't come out. So luxurious cruise. Um, apparently, the film was largely shot on board um, it kind of lines passage across the Atlantic. So it actually spent some time on location filming aboard a cruise ship, which is pretty cool if you ask me. Um, but basically you spend time with the bantering, um, frenemies played by Meryl Streep, Candace Bergen, and then Diane West. So it seems like kind of a, kind of a nice frenemy show i guess um if you're if you're into that kind of thing with meryl streep think of it as a more spicy mamma mia um if you will without all the singing your use of the word spicy i love it yeah it's it's great i i love keep keep saying that things are spicy i i like it i i'm a fan of all things spicy have we had this conversation before on this podcast I don't know. We might have. I just, I can't get over it. Oh, okay. Because I feel like deja vu right there. Like the same exact phrase, literally the (laughs) same exact phrasing. Just a reminder Um, that I want you to keep talking about how spicy things are. Like what, what other things do you find spicy, Jared? I find a lot of things spicy. So (laughs) I don't think we should get into all of that uh, on this podcast. Although if last podcast is any indication um, on what, what the scope is for the show. Uh, we can go anywhere we want. It's just exactly. a matter of, I don't want to get into all things spicy right now. So, Oh, fine. Whatever. I don't, I don't want to either. I think a lot of things are spicy. Oh. Like um, the fact that my final grade for this class is going to end up uh, 89.85. Um, that's super frustrating uh, being my last class ever. Uh, and getting a B plus instead of an A by 0.15 that's spicy 
I mean, at least you passed. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's Linda. not thank spicy. You. you passed. There you go. You passed with a better grade than you could have gotten. You could have failed. I also passed with a worse grade than I could have gotten. How about that? Well, now, now you're just being cynical and you be be positive. You, you did well. I mean, you may not have done as well as you wanted to, but that doesn't mean you have to crap on how well you did because you did you did well. I really needed your approval. So I think that made it all better. I think that kind of toned down the spice. In fact, there is no spice. My nostrils are once again filled with sinus pressure. Well, you know, uh, you're my buddy and I want to support you. And if that means getting you to not be so hard on yourself, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm also hard on myself because I haven't gotten paid yet this week. And normally um and normally <laughs> like I get paid a couple days early. Some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you haven't gotten paid. Those are those are my updates for the week. Um eighty nine point eight five and no money. Yeah. Okay. I, I see why you're so sad and for that I am sorry. It's okay. I got to do this podcast with you. Aw. See, guys, I told you he likes me. Yeah, I do. Except when you disagree with the movies that I like. And then we run out of Hey, that was a friendly debate. I could have made that that so much meaner. I wouldn't even call that a debate, really. Like, there was no debating there. We've debated before. Oh, my God. It gets so spicy when we debate. Yeah. That was a, I understand your position and you understand my position. See, we're, we're growing as human beings in terms of quote unquote debating. (laughs) Well, I think that covers this week. Yeah. I think the main takeaway from this show is iCarly and, uh, orphan. I love (laughs) iCarly. And I love Orphan, so yeah, those are good ones. <laughs> okay, yes, yes, I loved watching iCarly growing up, okay? You guys can all just, you know, be in denial as much as you want with that show, but you have to admit, when it was on, it was popping. Everyone watched iCarly. Even the people that were like, I don't watch iCarly, watched iCarly. Okay, iCarly was it, okay? And you guys are just mad because I'm not ashamed to admit that I liked iCarly. I liked iCarly. Oh, see, there you go. Everyone likes iCarly. Yeah, I didn't ever watch I didn't ever watch um the spin-off, the Sam and Cat spin-off, but no one did. I Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no <one did. laughs> I don't know it why we didn't talk about like- that. <laughs> Whatever that was, that that vitriol towards oh. Sam and Cat. Was that spicy? That was spicy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I tried. I tried so hard. But no, there's a good reason why that show did not last. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that everyone knows and I I just I don't wanna I don't think we should cover. I don't think it's constructive at this point in time in 2020 (laughs) 
to, to criticize something. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the show. So thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Linda, as always, for coming on and talking some news with me. Um, hopefully next week you like the movie and or trailer that we have um, listed for us to watch. Um, or that the news stories are anything um, other than Disney and COVID. We kind of got that with iCarly this week. So more of that. It was a nice change. I, I liked that we we finally had a couple of weeks without COVID or Disney talk. It it was a very nice change of pace because it was getting a little, the news have been getting a little stagnant there. So I'm glad we got that break and was able to accumulate some different articles based on other topics. Yeah, we're going to do more of that going going forward, more of the iCarly talks and more of the uh, horror talks. Like And like I said, there really hadn't been too much horror news recently, so that's why mainly we haven't covered any. But uh, other than like Scream 5 finished, rap, finished filming, and that was a whole thing that was super quick and that was fun. But uh, no, we continue to press on and do more. Um, exciting news topics. So if you would like, you can hit that subscribe or that follow button wherever you're listening to this on. Um, I know that we're listed on all the major podcast platforms except for Pandora. So I encourage you to not only follow us, but also download the episodes because downloading the episodes lets those providers know that you really are digging our podcast and it helps us out on the back end with our numbers and everything. And also check out our Patreon, check out our website, check out our YouTube channel. Um, just kind of go support us wherever you can if you really like the content that we, that we produce here on the Bird Reviews and the Into the Bird podcast. It truly does mean a lot. We enjoy doing it, and we are going to keep doing it. So until next time, it is a see ya from me. See ya.